Hi, this is the Mentoring Lab Podcast, where we create a work BFF mentoring movement, one episode at a time. Here are your hosts, Sarah and Kelly. Hello, and welcome to the Mentoring Lab Podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kelly. And how are you today, Kelly? I am fabulous today, Sarah. (laughs) You are... Again, I feel like a broken record. I just want to say you're fabulous every single day, aren't you? I try to be. Aww. Absolutely. That's great. I myself, I'm I'm doing pretty good today. I'm starting to get a little bit of a headache. I don't know if it's from the weather or if my ponytail is a little too tight on the top of my head. So, oh girl, I know that pain. I do. It hurts. It does. <laughs> I, got, I got tender head. <laughs> oh, all right. So before we get into today's uh, wonderful episode, it is time for our weekly toast. Um, It's where we're each going to say what our win was for the week, what our loss or otherwise known as our loss, or excuse me, not our our loss or otherwise known as our lesson learned for the week. So as always, Kelly, I lead you to kick it off with your win and your loss. All right, Sarah, I am so excited to share my win because um, for probably, I guess, five or six years now, I've been following a fellow podcaster, John Lee Dumas, the entrepreneur on fire. And I took his free little workshop about doing your own podcast five or six years ago when that it first started nudging me that I should do this. I should do this. So um, I'm excited that we have done this podcast, but I'm extremely excited because I had the opportunity to reach out to him and ask him if he could come and talk on our podcast. So they came back and they said, confirm. So he's going to be joining us in March. And I'm just so crazy excited because I'm a big fan of his. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I shared about clicking so fast, I ordered two sets of his new book coming out. So I have those books sitting here and I can't wait to dive into those. So I'm really excited. So that's my win is my, my, yep, <laughs> my, my podcast king is coming to um, chat with us. So um, then my lost is, um, as you as I said, I have his book sitting here. I'm in like three book clubs. So I have those books sitting here. So my loss, my lesson learned is, although my signature strength is um, continuous learning and it's a good thing to have, I want to do it all. So I tend to overconsume and um, get a little overwhelmed because I have all these books that I want to read and I just can't possibly do them all. So my lesson learned is to just take it one at a time. Don't try to be juggling all these books and focus on one of them, then the next, then the next, and the next. Mm-hmm. So what's your wins and your losses? So my win for the week is I actually had a a couple of different new uh, coaching calls this week with work. As you know, I do some career coaching in my day job. And um, got to uh, do a couple of sessions with a few new people. And one of them is going to continue meeting on with me um, on a bi-monthly basis for some career coaching and some direction. So that that was a big win for me. Um, sometimes it's a hard sell, um, especially if people aren't familiar with coaching. Uh, the person has a really great mentor right now and who's been helping and working with them for several months but just trying to get them on the side of, you know, what a career coach can do for them and how I can help them differently. Because 
as you know, there's a mentor and a coach are, are do have two separate goals um, for whomever they're working with. So that was a win for me. And then a loss for me is, uh, I guess I've been failing myself. I'm as a coach, as a mentor, I'm always helping other people, um, attempting to helping other people become better versions of themselves in some sort of way, right? And I think I've said it before here, I'm often guilty of not taking my own advice or being as kind to myself. And I kind of had an epiphany, but also a duh moment yesterday listening to a podcast about self-care. And I... Like kind of like you with the self-awareness thing now that I'm thinking about it, where you thought like this huge moment was going to happen where it said, Kelly, you are self-aware. I kind of with, I guess, self-care, I've been waiting, I don't know, maybe for someone to help me or give me permission to say, yes, take time for yourself. Um, my partner's really great about that. And he'll just tell me, you know, my health is first and foremost, I need to take time for that to work out to whatever. And if that means other things get pushed aside in terms of housework or other things through the house, you know, I just need to learn to accept that. Um, But it didn't really click until yesterday when I listened to the self-care podcast. So that was kind of like a lesson learned for me where, again, no one is going to take care of me or watch out for me but me. So I have to do it. Um, So I know it seems kind of like, duh, or, but I don't know, something finally resonated in my brain and clicked with me yesterday with that. So I've just been failing myself and I'm going to do better at that. Well, that is great, Sarah. And as your work BFF, I'm going to help keep you accountable. I'm going to ask you every week, Sarah, what have you done for yourself this week? Mm -hmm. Because we need that. You know, like you said, you naturally take care of other people. So if someone's not holding you accountable or at least helping you to take care of you, then it's easy to get sidetracked and not do that. So I gotcha. I gotcha, sister friend. And and I'm not (laughs) talking about either like just binge watching TV with Netflix and drinking a bottle of wine because that is not self-care, people. It may feel like it in the moment. You may feel good and relaxed, but for the long term, those are not healthy habits. So just wanted to throw that out there. Not that I do that. I know it's not our topic for the day, but what what does self-care look like for you? Self-care, what it looks like to me, that is a really good question. Um, And right off the top of my head, I would have to say is making time for myself, um, either making time for myself like mentally, spiritually, and physically to put myself in a better uh, mindset, a better just physical being, so to speak. So that could be, you know, for me, it's more about health. And putting myself first and and just taking care of my health. And that I don't know if I answered that question, but that's what it be would be for me. It's it's taking the time, a minimum amount of time each day to refocus or reset on what I need to do. So like now I'm like, I'm definitely gonna be working out in the morning. That's what I've been doing the last couple of days. Um, I find just then I have no excuses not to do it and and take that time where as the day goes on and more and more things pile on, then I feel guilty for stopping and doing stuff for other people and, and doing something for myself. So it's just, to me, it's more like a, a mental, a physical and like a spiritual thing um, to get right with myself. Okay. That's good. I'll um, hold you accountable on that. I'll be texting you at 6 a.m. Sarah, did you work out today? But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, Sarah, I'll say new phone, who dis? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I just said a moment ago, I said, even though it's not our topic today, um, but it does lend to it. Our topic is actually mm-hmm. letting go. And in the spirit of letting go, I kind of think that self-care does fall into that because sometimes when we're holding on to things, they're holding us back and not helping us to grow forward and, and to be the person that we need to be or yes. um, we desire to be. So um, with that, let's go ahead and, oh, we got to do our toast and then we'll jump yes. in. I know. Yes. I know. Let's toast we're that. No. saying about our conversation. Are you ready? I am ready. Here we go. Here's to our wins. Here's to our losses. Here's to one day being our own bosses. Cheers. Cheers. We'll get that together someday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh. (laughs) yes. But mine um, came a little delayed after yours. But today I have sheepdog peanut butter whiskey. And um, I was a little hesitant. I was like peanut butter whiskey, but it Mm -hmm. actually was pretty good. I have to say. So mine too was peanut butter flavored, but I tried the screwball. No way. We had the same. Same, Are you kidding me? Yep. (laughs) That's funny. So it was good. I got a little bit on my shirt. So I I was, I was sharing the, sharing the, um, the yumminess. Some of it left my mouth and went onto my shirt. But yes, very delicious. Okay. Oh, all right. So let's jump into our topic for today, which is letting go. And in the spirit of letting go, we're going to be specifically focusing on letting go of a job or a career or something um, related to that. Because in the spirit of letting go, it could be letting go of um, people, habits, expectations, fantasies, goals, dreams, and and just things that are no longer serving us. But specifically, we're going to talk about letting go of a job that you may be stuck in or not even realize you're stuck in or you're not growing or a job that is not serving you anymore. So Sarah, I know that you have some experience with this. Can you tell our work BFFs a little bit about this experience, what it was like, and um, that moment when you knew it was time to do something? Sure. So several years ago, and I mean several years ago, I had a position, a role within an organization. I had been there for a while, um, over five years, um, probably much longer than that. But I had hit what you call the, so- the so-called glass ceiling. Um, towards the last two years, I was there. I w- became very unhappy. I was actually resentful towards myself. I was starting to get resentful towards colleagues um, internally, though, like I never let any of this show, um, never got any feedback that my attitude or anything sucked at work or I wasn't being a good team player. But internally, it was just eating me up because I was just really freaking unhappy. And as I was thinking back to this experience, because it has been several years ago and we can always say hindsight's twenty twenty, but when a lot of years have passed... A couple things stand out for me, but then a couple, a lot of things I think I've forgotten because we kind of romanticize things in the past um, in terms of jobs, careers, relationships, et cetera, that really didn't work out well at the end, but we kind of forget a lot. So I did ask my partner um, the other night, Kevin, I was like, do you remember when I worked at X, Y, and Z company and how unhappy I was towards the end? Because that is something I never forgot. And I was like, does anything in particular stand out for you? Because I wanted to share the experience with Kelly and others. And he, um, 
he never forgets anything, can remember everything from 5, 10, 15 plus years ago. And he's like, you know, right now, nothing really stands out. But if something does, I'll let you know. And I was like, okay. And I said, well, I do remember at one point, and it was at least a year, maybe two years before I left that company, that he instituted a rule, which now I consider a boundary. And I said, I remember you instituted a role, a five-minute role. He immediately cut me off and said, yep, I do remember that. He's like, because you would come home every single day from work. You were so unhappy. And you would just talk, 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 and talk about how unhappy you were, how miserable you were, how this didn't go right at work, or you had to do this, this, or this. And he said, yeah. So basically, he had to set a boundary at that time where we were allowed five minutes in the evening to vent, to bitch, to complain, or even share good news stories, right? Because we worked with completely different people, completely different offices. Um, and a lot of times you go home and you and you tell your partner or your spouse things at work. And not that they don't care, but sometimes they kind of they don't care, right? They don't know who you're talking about, right? Yeah, they can't relate. They can't relate to it, right? They don't right. know who they Jane is. Right, right, exactly. They don't know Jane's idiosyncrasies. They don't yes. know Jane, Jane-isms, right, exactly. Right, Jane-isms, because they, he would just be like, stop talking to Jane. Why do you, if she, you know, but anywho. So we had a five-minute role. He instituted a boundary. Now I would call it a boundary, which I think was an extremely healthy boundary that we even use to this day. So... And then I also remember another sticking point during that same time was I was talking to a much older colleague who was a few years away from retirement. And this is someone that I did look up to, um, kind of informal mentoring now and then. And um, But I had learned a lot from her in the, in the last couple of years I had worked, um, not in the same, like, we worked within the same big office, but we are in two different teams. But I had learned a lot from her. And I remember confiding in her one day that I just wasn't happy anymore. And that work wasn't fun anymore. And I'll never forget Kelly, she looked me dead square in the eyes. And she said, work isn't supposed to be fun. It's a job. Oh, my God, no way. I was like, whoa, like, and maybe at that time, I should have explained to her what I thought fun was. Now, fun to me isn't happy hours. This isn't Christmas parties. It's not team building activities. Um, some of that stuff I do like and what might consider fun. And some of the stuff I'm like, nope, I pass. But fun to me was being excited about work, taking on new projects, working with new colleagues, opportunity to network, to grow, um, to have the autonomy to create new things in my area. Again, I was working and learning and development then as I do now. So that just, there was none of that for me. And that's what I considered to be fun. There was no opportunity for growth. There wasn't an opportunity for promotion unless upper management, at least it was like one to two levels above my first line um, would have approved it. So I was just really freaking unhappy. And I, I I wish I would have kept a journal at that time to like annotate everything that I was going through. But as I was thinking about this experience the last couple of days, it, it, it a lot of things really started to come back to me as I was writing down things. But basically during those two years, what led to the big like, I got to get out of here was there was no room for growth. Zero. Um, I also felt unappreciated. And I'm almost embarrassed to say this. I wasn't I don't know how to say this. I felt unappreciative, but I also felt like I wasn't the golden goose no longer. Like my ideas weren't valued. I wasn't being asked what I thought. Um, I find I kind of felt like I was pushed aside. I lost my passion 
I was tired all the time. I was working long hours. So what led to that moment, I guess there was a lot of things in the making. And the things that stood out for me most, even looking back years later, was there was absolutely zero room for growth. Again, unless a, a layer or two above us would have approved it. Um, I felt unappreciated. Um, I This is almost kind of embarrassed to say, and I don't even know if I'm going to use the term correctly or not, but I was no longer the golden goose or the beloved co-worker. And not that people can take that in different ways, like, oh, I was a butt kisser or a go-getter or, I, you know, I was a go-getter and I took initiative, but I never st- I never stepped on anyone. I never tried to rub anyone the wrong way to get to get ahead by no means. But I kind of felt like I was pushed aside and the spotlight was being shown on other employees um, who actually had some new projects to do, but also in terms of things, their workload was much less than mine. And sometimes their impact was not as far reaching as what mine went without outside of our company. So I really started to pre- just feel unappreciative. And that also, I was saying earlier, some resentfulness. Again, they couldn't, it wasn't their fault how management was like, oh, look at so-and-so, look at Jane, look at, you know, it, it wasn't them. And 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 I, I stayed professional, but I also lost my passion. I was tired all the time and I was freaking irritated. So things that wouldn't have normally set me off, um, I just became extremely irritable with as, you know, still working learning development, your human resources. It's, you know, some people call that customer service. You still got to grin and bear it and smile even when people are mean and ignorant and rude towards you. Or it's sometimes it can be a thankless job. And I just became really irritable towards that. And at the end, I ended up staying about two years too long. Wow, Sarah, two years. So um, I heard in what you were saying that you felt undervalued, you didn't feel appreciated, you didn't have Mm -hmm. passion. And most people that know me know that I love my job. I love it with a passion. (laughs) I wake up excited to do it every single day. But I also know in my heart of hearts, the day I wake up and I don't have that is the day I know it's time to move on. So I wanted to ask you, why two years? Why did you wait so long? What what held you back from making that decision that it's time it's time to go so I can grow? So uh, a, a lot of different things showed up for me that that made me stay for too long. The, I think the first thing was I was really good at my job. I could do that freaking job in my sleep. Um, it just felt natural. It, it it was easy to me, even though it was extremely hard work. I was just really good at it. And then also, I worked with a really good core group of colleagues, Um, my immediate team members, even my first line supervisor. They were a a, a good group to work with, even though I did say like I started to feel a little resentfulness towards them for various reasons. It wasn't through any fault of their own. I didn't let it affect our working relationships by any means. And I knew it was all me. And it was basically my problem inside and how unhappy I was with the job and how unhappy I was allowing upper management to dictate my happiness based on that. And then also, um, there's the golden handcuffs, right? So... (laughs) I kind of felt stuck a little bit. I was like, damn, I have this really good job. You know, on paper, people would be like, wow, you are so lucky to have that job. I made really good money. I had a pretty flexible first line supervisor again, a good core group of colleagues. So it was kind of the golden handcuffs. Like, why would you want to leave this? You know, boohoo, Sarah. So what? You know, you're not getting the added girls like you used to or you feel undervalued. So I kind of, you know, some people could take it as that way too. But I really felt those handcuffs had me. And then also, 
towards the end, I started to realize like I was kind of drinking the Kool-Aid a little too much. And um, I was holding on and drinking the Kool-Aid of hope there. That's what I called it. Like for a while, um, there was some attempts made to take my position to the next level and there was some promises made. And I think initially those promises were meant on good faith and that people were really trying to make that happen. But it just was at the end of the day beyond their control. And I felt like there was maybe a slight lack of communication. I'd hate to put the dishonesty out there. They they weren't as transparent with me. But I kept drinking that Kool-Aid of hope thinking things might change, things might get better, I might get that next level or I might get that next project or responsibility. And it just didn't happen. And I think a big thing about it too was, and I think what a lot of people can resonate with, is I'd been a part of that company for a very long time, not in the same role. That current role I was in at least six years. Um, But I was scared. I was scared of the unknown of moving either into a new role or a new company, a new organization, even if it was a similar position. I think a lot of us can um, relate to, it's kind of like starting over in some aspects. So there was that fear of the unknown. That um, totally makes sense, Sarah. I suspect that there's probably many people that fall into those types of categories of, I work with, you know, they make excuses of, well, I work with great people. Mm -hmm. For me, it's, I have free parking. I have a free gym. (laughs) You know, I get lots of training. I have lots of opportunities. Yes. All the, the perks keep you there. And I think that all those perks are great as long as that job is still serving you. And it sounds like the job that you were in stopped serving you. And you, like you said, you became resentful, you felt unappreciated, you felt undervalued, and you were good at what you did. And you knew you had a lot of value to contribute to the success and growth of the organization, but it just wasn't being realized. And it wasn't that you wanted to be, um, get all the attaboys or, you know, Mm -hmm. Sarah is the shining star all the Mm -hmm. time, but you just, you weren't feeling it. And I think the feeling is a key word here that if you're not feeling Mm-hmm. that passion for what you do. If you're not feeling driven to do it every single day, if you're not feeling that I'm doing something great, then you really need to take a moment to step back and take a look that is this yep. job, are these people, is it still serving me in the way that I need to be served? Mm-hmm. So with that said, I would like to um, pull that thread a little bit more. Hindsight, given that that was several years ago, what have you learned from the experience? What would you um, share with people about hindsight, looking back, this is what I've learned from the experience. This is what I might've done differently. This is what I would do differently. Mm-hmm. So the the first thing I learned right off the bat, um, and it still affects me to this day, even several days later, I mean, several days, <laughs> several years later, excuse me, um, is that I know for a fact I stayed probably two years too long. And when I say probably, that's that's usually like a yes for me. Um, so I definitely stayed two years too long, which, which actually put me um, behind in my career development and my salary. I didn't see it at the time. I didn't know it at the time. Didn't even consider that at the time. But this was very apparent to me once I moved on and got a new role within a new company. Um, as I started to talk to other people in my industry, even people that worked um, within my company or a sister company right down the street. And as I was getting a little bit more involved in my current role and in hiring, um, looking at resumes and whatnot, and I was seeing the salaries and I was thinking, oh my God, I have more years of experience, more knowledge, um, more education, et cetera, et cetera. And these people, a lot of these 
other um, colleagues in in the industry were making at minimum $10,000 more than I was. And they were ahead of me in the salary game and also in some career development ways. And the other thing I learned, and you kind of touched on it um, a few minutes ago, is when you're not feeling it anymore. And for me, it's your career core values is you got to find out what your career core values are. Um, So these are like important traits, or maybe you might even consider them deal breakers that your job has to have. It's a deal breaker for you if it doesn't. But if they're not being met, and I'm not talking about every single day, because I, you know, I, we all go to work every day. Um, Kelly, I know you say you wake up every day, you love what you do. But I'm sure every single day, if you have 10 tasks to do, you're not loving every one of those 10 tasks, right? Right on. <laughs> right. So there's some operation but, but work. The bigger, right. It's the it's bigger, the bigger picture. Exactly. Right. So we all have to do things we don't enjoy, but we have to do them to get the job done. Like I call it taking out the trash. And I think I've referenced that before where it's some of that tedious work, administrative, operational, et cetera. But if it's those bigger traits, those bigger values that aren't being met for me. And like I mentioned earlier, when I had that discussion with a colleague about fun and she probably thought, I thought, oh, work should be this big fun thing where we do games all day and there's a ping pong table in the middle of the floor. But no, it was more to, to me about fun is taking on new initiatives. Um, being challenged, feeling mm-hmm. valued, like those things make up fun for me. So if if your core values are not being met, it, it's probably time to move on. Especially if you find yourself complaining a lot or very unhappy, I guarantee you, if you write out a list of your core values, you're not working within your core values. They're not being met. And that's why you're stressed out, you're unhappy, et cetera. And most importantly, what I learned um, is life is too freaking short. Even if we live to 100 years, to me, that is too short. Life is too short to be unhappy, to be stressed out, and to complain about a fucking job every day. Like, that is a sign. That is a big flashy neon sign over your head where you got to move on. You, it, It's just not healthy to be that way. Yeah, I agree. And um, some thoughts that came to mind listening to you talk was, you know, waking up on Monday morning and dreading it mm-hmm. and just counting every day till it's Friday because you just can't wait to get to the weekend and have that break. And um, sometimes those things happen and you don't realize that this is the universe talking to you. It's poking at you, telling you, Mm -hmm. you need to take an inventory. You need to do some reflection and find out why am I feeling this way? Because I'm sure, I think it was Steve Jobs maybe that said it. Someone famous said that, um, you know, if you love what you do, it doesn't matter the money you make. If you mm-hmm. have passion for what you do, you never work a day in your life. And um, that has always resonated with me. So that's a key indicator to me that once I, if I start not feeling passion, not feeling joy in what I'm doing or feeling like I'm contributing um, or having value, then that's an indicator that it's time to take a look that maybe it might be scary, but it might be time. And sometimes when it's time to go on, like you said, it could be scary, but it's time for you to move to the next step in your career or your life. You know, Kelly, really fast. That's funny you mentioned the money thing, because for me, for a long time, I know I had hit like the ceiling. Like I could get the small incremental raises every year, but like the big growth opportunity salary wise, again, wasn't there unless a layer or two up said, yep, we can do this. So I value money, but I value because of the lifestyle it provides me, the safety net it provides me, right? How I valued money over the years has changed. But it got to the point where I was just ready to flip the F out. No longer I was ready to move that dinner table discussion into the office. 
I was looking at jobs that would I would make less money because for me, I came to that realization that meeting my core values and feeling fulfilled is more important to me than the money. Yeah, very. that's a very good point, Sarah. Um, and I appreciate that so much. So um, what advice moving forward would you give to our work BFFs that may be struggling with feeling stuck in a job, feeling like they're not valued, feeling like it may be time to grow, you Mm -hmm. know, go so they can grow. I I think I'm coining that phrase in this podcast here. (laughs) It's time to go so you can grow. (laughs) I like that. T-shirts. Okay. I have lots of advice for our work BFFs. So, um, most of these are in no particular order. These thoughts coming to my head, except for the first one is be loyal to yourself first and foremost. The old school mentality of loyalty to a company or organization no longer exists. And I've always questioned if it did in my 16, 17, 18 years of professional career. Um, It it just, God forbid, like I've said, you know, to some colleagues or other people, if something should happen to us tomorrow, to them tomorrow, and they were to drop dead, um, there's no other nicer way to put it. That job is going to replace you. They're going to have a job announcement out on the street before you know it. You're replaceable. So just think of that. There's that loyalty. And when they have to fire people, let people go, There, there is no loyalty, reverse loyalty, so to speak. And I remember when I told my dad at the time years ago when I was looking to leave this company that I had grown with over a long period of time, but I'd hit that ceiling. I said I was very unhappy and I was looking for a new job. And the fir- the two questions I'll never forget, he said to me was, do you think that's really smart? And hasn't that company been good to you? So that's the old school mentality where you give your 20, 30, 40 years and you retire, you get your gold watch or your plaque or whatever. And um, people get sucked in that loyalty mindset. And my dad kind of got sucked into it. And here he is getting ready to retire. And he's been absolutely miserable for the last 15 years and hates his job. So Again, loyalty. Be loyal to yourself. Um, Also, I had reached out to other colleagues um, during that job, but as well after when I moved on, people who I knew through networking or other um, opportunities I met where they were looking for new opportunities. And I remember three people in particular where I reached out and said, hey, I had this opportunity. Would you be interested in learning more about it? And two out of three actually came back to me and specifically said they had a loyalty and felt like, they would love to take me up on the offer or learn more. But at that time, they felt like they owed their current company to stay there a little bit longer. And I know someone in particular, she just came back from maternity leave. And she's like, I just feel like I owe them because I've just been gone for almost four months on maternity leave. And that kind of blew my mind because, well, you're owed that, right? I mean, you have the leave to take. There's a, an obligation for the company to... to to help you or, you know, um, approve that leave for a baby, but she felt like she had loyalty to stay there. And that was many years ago. And I know for a fact, she's still in that same position and she's still very unhappy. Well, and you know, Sarah, by law, an employer is required to give you that time off after you have a baby. Right. So I understand her loyalty, but they weren't doing anything extra or special for her. Right. Right. That's what just kind of blew my mind. And I'm like, I can... I mean, I was trying to 
see where she was coming from at the same time I just couldn't so on top of that I'm just saying you can be grateful for the opportunities that has your company or organization has provided you you can be grateful for the support of your colleagues for your supervisors for others but that doesn't mean that you're stuck or have an obligation to stay with them and also as you're moving forward in your job search focus on opportunities that are a good fit for you don't apply I know people who will apply to every single freaking job on monster.com or anywhere else um, just because they're miserable in their current role. So you want to focus on the opportunities that are good, um, a good fit for you. And also, if there's something that you want to do for yourself, maybe a side hustle, whether that's starting your own business, a passion project, you know, think about that. Maybe you don't need to leave one position or at a company for another one. Maybe just set those boundaries and you're done working at four or five o'clock every day. And then you're putting in all those extra hours in the evenings and on the weekends on something you want to do for yourself. Great for yourself. Also, network with quality connections. I have read in numerous um, online articles and journals that about 85% of jobs are filled through networking. And don't burn bridges. Man, I'm telling you, it can be tempting, especially if you leave and, and you're so freaking unhappy. Um, but it's a small world. Even in big cities, the industry is very small. Um, when I first left that that position several years ago, um, I would run into people all the time um, that still worked there or had left and went other places or just mutual colleagues from other companies. And they would ask if I ever go back. And once in a while, years later, I'll still get that question. And my response is always the same. For me, going back would be taking a step back in my career, not going forward. Even if it was a, a leadership role to me, it's going back. It's not going forward. And this is um, almost entirely true for me. There's a little bit more I could add in there about toxicity and all the other stuff, but there that adds no value. Don't do that. And what you say, you put out into the world, it's going to come back to you. And also, once you get that new job, don't freak out. There is going to be a learning curve, especially if you've been at your current organization or company for a really long time. So there is a learning curve. I compare it to an S-curve. Um, that's what us in learning development refer to it. And it's kind of like elongated S that kind of stretches to the right, not like an upright S. Um, but look this up. It, it's it's kind of interesting. So the curve follows a learner's journey from being unfamiliar to mastery. And the same theory can apply to going into a new job. Um, so you start off at the bottom and it kind of slopes up a little bit and just keeps the trajectory goes up. And I, to me, I think it takes a good 12 months to really become acclimated to a job. Because remember, it's a new culture. It's new politics, practices, processes. You're navigating terrain um, that you've never navigated before. And it can be extremely overwhelming. And I remember when I got left that role and went into um, my new role at the time, I remember three months into it, putting my head on my desk and saying, what the hell have I gotten myself into? Right. I think we've all been there. I'm finding new colleagues I've worked with for years do that. And I, and I give them this pep talk. And I said, we all have been there. Um, it, there's a big learning curve. You kind of become jaded in your old position, um, even if you're within the same company, um, but you take a new role. Like you forget what it's like to be new and have to kind of relearn things or learn new things. Um, so I'd like to recommend finding a mentor or a colleague that you really connect with, um, maybe they'll turn into a work BFF to just help you become acclimated um, and just someone to talk to and, and just can help you get through that growing process. So I hope um, by sharing my experiences and my thoughts, I'm, I'm hoping for those listening, some of it has resonated with you, maybe provided you some additional insight or aha moments, especially if you're struggling with letting go and, and moving on for a job. So Kelly, I know I did a lot of talking, 
Um, but hopefully people found value in that. But is there anything else you that comes to mind that you'd like to add in terms of letting go and moving on from a job? Um, thanks, Sarah. Yes, you provided so many um, valuable tips um, in your advice for people that may be in a situation where they're not feeling valued and um, ne- may need a little nudge or a push to take that time to self-reflect and move on. Something you said um, about when you're talking about the money. So um, myself, and this ties into being um, capped and not having fun. You know, I'm capped at my salary. And unless I leave my organization, I won't get a pay raise. So the only way for me to get a pay raise for the next 10 years until I can retire is to leave. But there are opportunities out there that I look into and I consider, but it's that joy. It's that fun. I have a lot of exciting things going on in my job right now that I want to see through. I want to be a part of. I want to um, contribute to that. So as long as that environment exists, it doesn't matter that I won't get a pay raise for 10 years. I'm very fortunate to have what I have, but it's that um, fulfillment from what it is that you're doing and the contribution that you're making to the organization and seeing change happen and seeing good things happen that make it so much more rewarding. But I would just wrap up with um, encouraging people to periodically take an inventory of your current job. Is it still serving you? Is it um, making you feel valued? You do an evaluation, say, am I really happy? Do I wake up every day and I look forward to going to this job? And then if not, it may be time to take that step and move on to, you know, a new career, a new job, the next thing that, which may not be the same job that you're in now. It may be something totally different, but it's important to take that time of reflection to look at where are you? Is it still serving you? Is it causing you um, displeasure or is it bringing you joy? And if it's not aligned to your core values, bringing you joy, then it may be time to make that big scary step. But as Sarah said in her story, it could be scary, but it could be so worthwhile. You may experience something so wonderful that you would be missing out on otherwise. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So that wraps up today's episode. As always, Thank you for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to us from your favorite podcast app. We would love to hear from you. So you can leave us a comment or drop us a note on our social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram, the Mentoring Lab podcast. And we will get back to you if you um, do leave us a comment. And um, as your work BFFs, we're going to sign off with our be safe, be positive, and tune in next week.